outside of the virtual hardwood, it's the MLSC Podcast, episode number 412. Andrew with you once again, I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew MLSC on Twitter. My co-host is Derek, you know him in the forum as D for 3 and he is D for 3 on Twitter. Happy to be here as always. Uh, Andrew, Nate and Roger did it. They did. Be Alive 2001 guys did it. Uh, we had them on the podcast, it was a great conversation. We've really enjoyed watching their highlights and whatnot and and taking in their submissions for the top 10 and they did it they got us back into nba live 2001 uh you were super excited to put it on and and host a session versus me and then i hosted a session versus you and yeah we've actually had quite a few decent games now and we're going to be going mic'd up just like nate and roger and we'll be uh, uploading a video to youtube sooner rather than later Marcus Effen Pfizer, how about him? <laughs> well, you know what's funny is, um, based on our conversation, because he got brought up, you started trying to go nuts there for a little bit with Alamine, and it Khalid Alamine, and it didn't go well for you. However, it did go well for me going nuts with Walter McCarty in that second game. Oh, that deep three, that deep three in the first game too. Like you, you almost, uh, you almost beat me in that first game when uh, when Walter caught fire there in the in the fourth. Uh, but merciless Mercer was also huge. I mean, talk about an underrated signing. Maybe not so much in real life, but certainly on the virtual hardwood. Man, you know, there's some virtual legends, virtual hardwood legends blossoming here. You stole him from me, if you really think about it. True. Let's took them from my took Ron Mercer from my Celtics. We used to have him, but uh, in the second game, the one that I won. Um, when you were using the Clippers, some wild stuff happening. Uh, I hit, I think, four or five threes in a row uh, in the fourth quarter with Walter McCarty. So I caught fire with Walter McCarty. A couple of them were guarded. So many memories flooded back as a result. And you were throwing it down with Lamar Odom like he was prime Dr. J. And you couldn't dunk with Darius Miles. And I could tell that was frustrating you. You were hitting some threes with Miles, but you just couldn't dunk with Darius Miles. Very backwards, that was. We checked the ratings afterwards because we thought, okay, maybe the PS2 version had some errors in the ratings and the rosters. I remember being able to dunk with him quite easily on PC, but we went and looked. A dunk rating of, I think, 91. So not sure what was going on there, but he had some nice layups, I suppose. The three-pointer with the terrible three-point rating, which was not uh, unrealistic, of course. But that, they were both uh, fun games. And I-, I touched on it when we talked to Nate and Roger last week. But Live 2001, very controversial release in, in our community, which, of course, has always been very PC-focused. And I remember being very disappointed with it back in the day. Well, well certainly slightly disappointed anyway. It, it's one of those games that I've come to enjoy a little bit more. Uh, I certainly played it a lot at the time, but there was elements that I didn't like. Uh, I, I think I had different expectations. Uh, Live 2000 was a very tough act to follow, obviously. Live 2000 on PC. And Live 2001, they rebuilt the code, of course as uh, Rod Redekop uh, confirmed when I talked to him about the uh, history of the series. So there were some issues there, but going back without those expectations and, and kind of that nostalgia that comes with it, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And when you, when you don't have those expectations and you take the game for what it is and you, you learn the mechanics and whatnot, it's solid. It's fun. I wouldn't put it up there as the best NBA Live or the most realistic NBA Live, although it's got some very nice uh, simple dunk animations compared to other NBA Live games. But you know what? It's been fun. Yeah, there was one dunk you threw down with Lamar Odom on the fast break that, like you would wish I had caught it, that was close to top 10. That was that nice. looked absolutely yeah. 
Fantastic. Um, I, I think we like we discussed after, you know, we actually my brothers and I, we spent a ton of time on Live 2001 back in the day. We did actually really enjoy the release at the time, even though we did like Live 2000 more. We spent a ton of time on Live 2001, so more memories were flooding back the more I was getting back into the game. And But you know what it is, like we talked about? It's almost like the simplicity of the game and the controllers just really shines and works with the mechanics of the game. Um, like they were talking about, you know, the, the whole pump fake cheese. Uh, that works for that game. You know what I mean? You know the crossovers and the spin moves executed uh, properly. That were they, they work for that game and they're fun. And you know the little post game that's in there. Yeah, you even said you you messaged me after I did a a post spin with Antoine Walker into a layup that looked really nice. The post game is competent in that game. It's simple, but you can spin both ways. You have your hook shots and whatnot. Um, you can spin into dunks and layups. The game may be simple overall with controls. But it just works. It does. And when something when something looks good, it looks good or feels good. And again, accounting for the fact that it is a game that is over 20 years old now. But yeah, the only real problem is that, that delay that you get sometimes transitioning into that animation of a spin or, or a dribbling move, something like that. Not, not being able to pass, not being able to break out of an animation and pass out of a dribbling move, for example. That stuff does uh, get in the way. Uh, it was less of an issue in 2000. As I said, they fixed it up around about 2003. 2001, 2002 had that issue, but we've revisited both of those games recently, and I have nostalgia for both. Uh, neither quite lived up to my expectations as I was really getting into that hardcore sim head space at that time, I recall. But at the same time, there's a lot of good stuff about them, and they are very, very playable these days, and loved playing them over the past week or so, and looking forward to playing them a little bit more. You know, <laughs> Nate and Roger, as you said, they got to us. They, they really did sell us on 2001, and I did fix up the. Of course, we do own the originals. We've been playing the PS2 version through the uh, emulator, so we can play it over Parsec. And I did fill around with my settings, so I've actually got the uh, the higher res, the upscaling I hadn't uh, done in my settings. So yes, that will look a little bit better when I host now. Yeah, no, it's it's been absolutely great. And Parsec is again, you know, opening up all of these opportunities for you and I to connect and enjoy these games together, and in a way that you didn't maybe play as much back then or at all. You know, that head to head play style which is just so much more fun than playing against the computer but i did as you know order nba live 2000 nba live 2003 and nba live 2004 for the pc because i have them for playstation 1 and playstation 2 whichever ones they're they're on depending on what title you're talking about um but i wanted to get those pc versions because i loved the live 2000 pc version from back in the day even modded it a little bit um and i, I, I might consider getting back into modding those games and you might see highlights go up on YouTube, on the NLSE YouTube or my YouTube, of more of those early 2000s NBA Live games. They're just fun to revisit. And on PC, there's still so much we can do. We still have the tools. We still have some mods left in our download section, actually. I put a couple of them to use to get some screenshots for forthcoming articles. In fact, a Dennis Rodman face. So we do actually have some assets to work with if we wanted to cobble together some some projects for those games we've already got some old nlsc rosters that lutz and tim made back in the day we could repackage them with some of the faces we can certainly credit the original authors it's one of those things where a lot of those authors of uh those creators those mods have uh have moved on some 20 years later so we can certainly credit where credit's due and i'm sure there'll be no problem but 
that would be fun again, much as we've been doing with the NBA Live 96 all-time teams roster, which you put out a, a great preview of, put that together. Modding these old games, it's, it's just so nostalgic as much as playing them, and doing both has been so rewarding for us over these past few months. Yeah, and for the community that's listening to this, let us know what you want to see. You know, Andrew and I, we own so many different basketball games that we can connect with. You know, let us know what games you want to see, and maybe we'll, you know, we'll connect and upload a video to YouTube. Uh, we'd love to get in your feedback. If you want to, you know, get some of your feedback, it, we, if you want to see Live 2003 or Live 2004, we can try to upload a gameplay video of that, of Andrew and I facing off or playing on the same team or whatnot. I actually had a great game of NBA Live 2003 with Lady Culture. Um, she used Parsec for the first time, and we used the Kings. And we ended up winning in overtime in our first ever game playing co-op and Weber had 48 points and she was on Wi-Fi, but we had an amazing connection. Um, she was knocking down all of her free throws and everything. And we got the W. I was just incredibly happy with not only Parsec's performance, but with the fact that we ended up getting that win. And Live 2003 just has it still. You know, the gameplay, again, the controls are still somewhat simple, and you, you, you do have that right stick dribbling now, but the simplicity of it just makes it so fun. And you and I are going to have to connect again on that game, maybe when I get the PC version and whatnot, and, and play that. But, you know, the Live 96 video did come out really good previewing our all-time teams roster project and you know what game we were talking about trying to mod that we didn't know if we were going to be able to nba live 10 we found out that we can mod it indeed manny live and a gentleman by the name brent i think it's brent lane brent lane uh, yes. yes they do the ncaa march madness legacy mod um so ncaa basketball 10 mod which adds all of the different classic teams that are in NCAA basketball 09 and more, and they're getting faces in there and all of that stuff. And of course, as you know, NCAA basketball 10 has that same structure really as NBA live 10. So what they know about modding that game is working with NBA live 10. So we can mod portraits. We can make cyber faces, um, with an asterisk there, which we can get into in a second. Uh, we, we don't know how to load up models in Blender yet, but we can make the textures for the faces. Um, but it is possible that we might be able to do like a classic teams roster for NBA Live 10 and share it, or like an all-time teams roster. And I think you would be interested in that. Absolutely. And the fact that we can overwrite players, that we don't have to be handcuffed by the 50-player, creative player limit, which is a a problem with that era of NBA Live games. On PC, it was no problem. We had a limit of about 200. And even then, you could just simply change the is created flag to false. So it would recognize those players as original players in the database and it would just reset the count of created players again. This is one of the things I realized didn't happen with the created players in the uh, NBA 2K11 rosters, which I've been working on, which through me is one of those things that just held the rosters back for a long time as I was trying to figure out what to do there. So yeah, obviously there are things we can do with Live 10. We we talked about that on previous shows, how we wish we could, and now it looks like we maybe can. I think 2022, for both of us, is going to be a year of not only playing more of the classics, but also modding more of the classics. I think the you know between the all-time teams roster project for NBA Live 96 um, and the possible NBA Live 10 modding project and maybe getting back into some of those early 2000s live games, modding those, um, I think there's just going to be a lot of fun 
overall just with gameplay and modding of those classics and you and i actually did connect and we played against each other for that video um it was me using the celtics you hosted and this is for the nba live 96 all-time teams roster project preview and you were using the bulls and i went off with larry bird you did some nice things with jordan but it was just an overall fun game and we did find out that it was a lot more fun and it worked a lot more, uh, a lot better overall for us playing head to head. Yeah, co-op's kind of hard because the CPU. Even we dialed it back to starter just to compensate for lag and whatnot, and the fact that it's, it's been a while, a bit rusty on it. Judges, if you will, but we even found then that the CPU could get a bit cheesy, and you're compensating with trying to compensate for lag. You know, it's much easier for you to run out of bounds. Uh, I can, I can certainly uh, relate to that from sometimes when you've been hosting because the connection between us, we're doing the best we can with a connection with some pretty ordinary ping times between uh, between uh, new hampshire and uh, new south wales australia but you know we've had some fun co-op games and some games do work better co-op obviously jam on fire edition being one of them but head-to-head in uh, live 96 pc with those all-time rosters was just so much fun made for a great video you did a great job with that you've been doing a great job with the portraits i'm um, slowly getting all the players replaced and yeah this, it's playing pretty well and i'm quite uh, pleased with how that's coming together but you're right, this is going to be a great year for us, both playing games, covering games, creating content for them, creating mods for them. And while it is niche, I do think there is a, a market, if you will. We obviously don't support selling mods, but in the broad, broader sense of the term, a market, a, uh, an audience, if you will, for mods for older games. You look at the uh, URB and UBR for 2K12, uh, 13, 14. You look at some of the other mods, the 2K19 retro roster mods, of course. You know, not everybody's happy with the latest games. Some people just want to play uh, with current rosters in old, in old favorites, or they want to play with retro rosters in newer games, newer games that they liked better than the latest game. So it's definitely something to explore. There's more, there's more of a market than I even thought for classic games and classic mods. So not just the mods for the games, but classic games, like the footage. I'm noticing that the view counts are going up on the NLSC YouTube the more we post, right? Um, I'm noticing more comments about the top 10 and, and, you know, people really appreciating those, um, us revisiting those classic games. Uh, the top 10 has been just so much fun to put together the last few weeks. Um, I'm not getting sick of it at all. I'm, I'm actually looking more forward to it almost every single week. We're getting some great submissions, um, you know, this week we had a game winner um, from NBA Live 19 from Mike Perchard, um, our friend Mike, you know, friend of the show, friend on Twitter, etc. And we had a, a game winner from the NBA Elite 11 demo um, from the Live King, which surprised you and me. And it's a game winner with Kobe. And it just looked absolutely awesome. And that, that had to be the number one play of the week, let's be honest. Um, we had some big dunks, you know, NBA in the Zone 2000 highlights from Sean Kemp from at B-Ball Video Games, etc. And I just want to thank everybody for submitting those highlights and getting into the top 10 and, and viewing the YouTube videos and whatnot, because it really is a celebration of basketball gaming present and past. It really is. And look, I think every top 10 we've had so far has been fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you have a, a better session than others. And, you know, some people are busier some weeks than others. They, we don't always get as many submissions. A lot of submissions coming in lately, though, and, and great submissions. I think the last few weeks have been a really... It's, it's been taken to another level, I think, the top 10 these past few weeks, getting some really great highlights. Uh, I had one last night, though, that I've sent you for a future countdown, which, uh, which may be my poster dunk of the year. I like that one. To give you an idea of how good this dunk is, um, I actually put 
because when Andrew sends me these highlights from NBA 2K14, they don't have audio. So sometimes we, I have to improvise or he has to improvise and whatnot and put audio in the highlight. So the highlight audio for this is the Baron Davis dunk on Karolinka from the We Believe Warriors from the playoffs. And so that's how big this dunk was. Um, it's definitely going to be great for the next top 10 and it's going to fit in with just all the other great highlights that we end up getting. So again, 2022, super exciting for, you know, not only retro gaming and basketball gaming in general, but modding um, and just kind of celebrating, right? Like no celebrating yeah. basketball video games. And I just want people to have fun with these games again. And it sounds like, um, you know, what we're doing with Parsec, what we're doing with the top 10, what we're doing with the tournaments, you know, the podcast and everything. I feel like it's catching on. No, it's been very gratifying and people enjoying basketball gaming, which is, as we've said before, is what it's all about. You know, we are going to criticize things when we need to critique certain approaches or aspects of the games, but we do want to celebrate and enjoy basketball gaming. Sometimes we can do that with the latest game. Other times we have to go back to an old favorite. Or indeed, check out a game that we haven't spent as much time with. And of course, giving games a second look as well, which I've been doing over the past 12 months and, and really enjoying that. Again, 2001, 2002, I've kind of changed my mind a couple of times over the years on them. And while I do have their issues and I do have my criticisms of them, I also have a lot of nostalgia. And there's a lot of things that I do think hold up very well as well. But 2001 to 2003 was kind of that weird time with uh, with the NBA Live series because it was still trying to find its feet after again rebuilding the code they were they they lost the PC version with Live 2002 because they didn't have enough people on the team to produce a PC port that year we always thought they were trying to push people towards consoles but it was actually a case of no we we had a few people leave the team we just didn't have enough manpower to uh, <laughs> to make that PC port it was back on PC the next year and of course we're going to be talking about NBA Live 23 or the future of NBA Live again. I know we've touched on it before, but we reached out to the community this week for the mailbag and asked people what they want to see in a, in a theoretical NBA Live 23. Got some great responses. But that era, 2001 to 2003, it's there's a lot of fun to be had with those games. They weren't personally everything that I wanted them to be. Uh, I prefer 2004 to 06 on PC. That's kind of my second golden era for NBA Live. But there's a lot of great stuff in that 2001 to 2003 as well. But it is tough to please everybody to that point. And looking at some of the responses we had to the mailbag this week, Derek, for a possible Live 23 and beyond, it's, well, it's like I said, it's it's hard to please everybody. Yeah, I, um, I can't wait to get into that because I do want to touch on some of the things that they said. Uh, I wanted to bring up two things really quick, though, before we get into the mailbag. Um, one, MJ Wizards doing a great job with that NBA 2K22 roster. Oh, yeah. Uh, I downloaded you know, it. This it's is, great. It's fantastic. This is... You can't even it's hard even to call this minimalist modding, although he is using in-game assets. And then the stuff that he's uploading for my NBA courts and stuff like that, um, he's using logos and stuff that either he uploads, I believe, um, or the community uploads uh, to the facilities and he's making courts and then they're saving the full courts and whatnot. Um, So because of MJ Wizards and this roster, I'm going to be hooking up my PlayStation 5 um, and downloading NBA 2K22 and downloading his roster. And I'm going to try to see if my brother and I can get into a, my league, like a classic teams, my league using his roster. So I want to thank him for the work on that. And for anybody that has a PlayStation five and NBA 2K22, check out MJ wizards, classic teams roster, um, because he's working really hard on it. And it's really nice to see somebody do that um, on the console space, you know, not just with PC. And then I also wanted to bring this up, and I know that you appreciate this, and, and I'm sure the community thinks about this sometimes, too, when they play these games. There's something extra special sometimes doing a 
excellent move or having an excellent game with the player that's the cover athlete. When I did that dunk with Steve Francis that was in the top 10, you know, the under the legs dunk on NBA Live 2000, he was the cover athlete for NBA Live 2002. And, you know, I did that, that high, that under the legs dunk in NBA Live 2002. For some reason, there was something special about that right? Like extra special because it was the cover athlete. So I thought that that really shined. It was Steve Francis in Houston. So he's at home and he goes up and does this under the legs dunk. And I'm just, and the, the backboard shakes and the rim shakes and everything. And it's like, this is cool. And even cooler because it's Steve Francis. There is some special context to it. I agree. Whenever I'm getting screenshots for a game, just to have on hand for articles and whatnot, or, or social media, I do like to get screenshots of the cover athlete it, it just makes sense yeah it, absolutely like i think um we've all had those moments like you do something in live 2001 with kevin garnett and it's it's just a little bit more special right um i didn't feel that way with 2k17 i wasn't just like oh paul george the cover athlete because there was he was a weird cover athlete i think you could agree it was like paul of, george yeah it's kind of a step down like they had the, the three cover athletes for 2K16, uh, Steph Curry, James Harden, Anthony Davis, and the fourth, because they had the Legend Edition with Michael Jordan, obviously. Big, you know, a big year for cover players. And Paul George is, is a fine player, but yeah, definitely a, a weird choice. He, he was the, I believe, the cover player, as such as it is, of the app, the My NBA 2K app for 2K16. So he was kind of telegraphed as that athlete, the cover player for the 2K17. But, you know, I love 2K17, but yes, absolutely, a, a weird cover player. Yeah. I mean, we, we had a whole episode, not a whole episode, but a big part of one of our past episodes about, you know, cover players, weird cover players and who we would thought should have been the cover player, etc. But no, this um, I wanted to put out that mailbag prompt about NBA Live 2023 because we don't know. They could come back this year. Now they've had ample time, you know, to, to work on this new technology on the new consoles and whatnot, get used to it, get familiar, um, possibly bring things over from NBA Live 19 that can work with the, two, the new technology, etc. cetera. Um, I wanted to get a wish list out there and, you know, even maybe get some eyes on it. Maybe some, maybe developers or, you know, people who work for EA Sports can, you know, we'll see that thread and see some of those ideas. You never know. Um, so we, d- we definitely got a lot of great responses. Absolutely. But before we get into the mailbag this week, on the subject of NBA Live 23, it's something we have touched on in several episodes before, but let's get an update. Let's take a moment pulse on this. How optimistic do you feel about NBA Live returning this year? I'm 50-50 on it, because I think that they are coming back. I don't think the franchise is dead. I think we would have heard that it was dead by now. I think I think it would have been declared dead. I think that there's still there still has to be those conversations going on behind the scenes that say, Hey, listen, there's still only one, one company that we're competing against. Um, we need to get in there. You know what I mean? We can make some noise. We can take up some of that market share. And, um, I'm sure that they've been talking about it. I'm sure they've had a team talking about it over the last couple of years. Um, and so I would say probably I'm, I'm like 50, 50 on it. Uh, I do think they will come back eventually. What about you? I'm I'm not as optimistic, I'll have to admit. And for a long time, I was an NBA Live optimist for years there and thought, okay, taking a year off here and there, this will allow them to rebuild the game properly. But seeing what they've done, like taking years off and not coming back with that, that really strong release that's that huge leap forward that I've wanted, I am less optimistic than I used to be. 
that being said, I don't think the series is done just yet because we do hear those rumblings. You do hear executives saying that they're talking to the NBA. They're looking at what they can do in the console space or what do they call it? The HD space or something, whatever they call it. Non-mobile, basically. An actual proper game, if you will, if we're going to be elitist about it. <laughs> Mobile gaming versus uh, other video games in general. I, I'm not sure about this year. I'm not as optimistic to say 50-50. I'm probably more in the 30-70 as far as 30 in favor of getting a game, 70 in not getting an NBA Live. Uh, it's one of those things we've talked about before that they've not really given us reason to hope. They haven't really given us much hope as far as uh, the series coming back in any given year. The last uh, comment they made was, what, 20, 2019, when they said Live 20 wasn't going to come out and they're focusing on making it bigger and better than ever. We haven't heard anything since then. We haven't really heard anything since their message of condolences and... Uh, obituary to, to Kobe Bryant uh, and his uh, passing a couple of years ago now. So it, it is hard to, to be optimistic with that in mind. At the same time, and I've been thinking about this, Derek, although they've done a, a terrible job of pushing the brand and making us making us and others care about NBA Live and, and keeping us updated, and that's led to more frustration, at the same time, it's better than putting out something that fails to excite. So I'm, I'm kind of 50-50 on that, actually, whether it's better to hold off until they can really impress with a, with a teaser or to give us those constant updates when people are so burned out on, on updates that say little and don't show enough promise. But the other thing that I've been thinking about is there's still a lot of people that want a, an alternative. There's a lot of people that balk at NBA Live ever becoming an alternative again, but there's people that want it, and NBA Live is realistically the only other player, potential player in that space. So... I, I do understand it when people say they have no, no interest in NBA Live coming back, but I also think that it's wrong to say that there's no interest whatsoever because we see the interest, and if nothing else, we see people saying, look, we're frustrated with 2K. We want somebody, anybody. Live is probably going to be the most likely. You know what? I don't think people should dismiss it. Of course, if you don't want to ever give your money to EA again, I understand that. But at the same time, we need that competition in the space, and NBA Live is pretty much the only potential player. Well, I don't I don't blame anybody for thinking that there's a 0% chance that they come back. I don't blame anybody for being mad at EA Sports at this point for the way that they've handled and fumbled the series and whatnot. I will disagree with you on one thing, though. I am okay with them coming back and maybe the product being a little bit underwhelming, but still being competent. And I'm not, if they came back, at least they're back. And it's another option in the space. And it will give people another option to play online. It will give people to, you know, play another option for for local play and everything. And even if it needs a little bit of work when it comes back, as long as it's a competent basketball title, I think it should be released. That is my opinion, because we can't do this waiting thing anymore. We can't just, you know, be taking three or four years off coming back, taking two years off, coming back, all of that stuff. So um, I think, you know, there was some, one, of the, one of the comments said, we'll kill the series. I definitely dis disagree with that, but we'll get into who said that, um, and I'll give my reasons for why I disagree with it. Um, but, yeah, you know, like I said, I don't blame anybody for saying I'm mad at EA and I have no hope. Oh, like, I, I, I don't absolutely, blame Absolutely, anybody. and I agree that you can't just take – all, all this time off, especially if it's building up expectations that they can't live up to on that comeback. But to that point, what, what would you say, what, how would you define underwhelming? Underwhelming would be a game that plays 
poor on the floor and is a step back from what they've already released. So it would be a game that is a step back gameplay wise from even NBA live 19. So no improvement from NBA live 19 and it's underwhelming overall from like a gameplay perspective. It's herky jerky. It's, it doesn't feel great on the sticks. It's not really fun. The demo uh, fails to impress. Um, that would be like underwhelming. Does that make sense? I think, I think if they came back and had a strong gameplay base, even if it had issues and it was still missing classic teams and whatnot, and it was still missing a little bit of the depth, as long as the game was fun and it stood out and it popped from a graphic standpoint and everything, I think that they can win some people over and that's the base they can start working on on this gen. No, that makes sense. There has to be that baseline of, of quality, does there not, for, for NBA Live to make a, a, a comeback that's going to have any kind of impact at all. I think it's an unrealistic expectation to say, oh, it's going to blow 2K away immediately. Because if nothing else, the depth is not going to be there. Even if it feels great on the sticks, even if you say that this feels preferable on the sticks to 2K, it's not going to have the depth. It, it just simply can't. And, and, of course, as far as licensing goes, there's stuff that 2K can have like Michael Jordan, for example, that Live currently can't, unless things have changed as far as exclusivity there. It's not going to blow 2K away. Fine. But it has to be good enough that people say, okay, 2K is, is still the better game overall, but this is a game that I would happily play instead of or in addition to. And that is something that it can do, because some of those building blocks have been there on the games on the 8th generation. They just couldn't put it together for reasons that we've identified and a lot of people that have responded to the mailbag prompt have also identified but it does have to have that baseline quality of fun on the sticks great representation of nba basketball it does need to have some depth it needs to have proper roster editing basically it needs to have some of those staples that nba live had in the early 2000s if it doesn't reach that level of at least as deep as nba live 06 on pc for example or nba live 2005 and gameplay that people will say hey 2K is the, still the number one game. It's it's still the top brand. But I kind of want to play NBA Live. You know, that is that is a successful comeback, if it can get that based so, on quality. That's my point, though, is I, I don't think that it's out of reach that when NBA Live comes back that the gameplay is already more fun for a lot of people than NBA 2K. Sure. we got to remember the yeah. frustration people are having with, you know, the things that we've talked about, the suction issues, the the pace of the game, um, the overwhelming, uh, you know, artificial boosts and the skating, all that stuff. It is very possible that in their first comeback, if they do come back, that the game is more fun on the sticks and that it, and people do gravitate to that. And if they promote it right. And they have the right people making YouTube videos for the series, you know, promoting the highlights, promoting the games, promoting the, the, the strong aspects of the game and everything. And, you know, those YouTube videos and those social media videos in general hit enough people, you could get a lot of people on those sticks. Right. And we talked about what they did with the one and everything. If they make a, a mode similar to that and even better than what they did. And it's more fair to the gamer and there's less grind and people aren't being bludgeoned to death with, you know, gambling mechanics and whatnot. A lot of people will gravitate to a better online gaming experience with NBA live over NBA 2K because that's what so many people are frustrated with as well. So I do think that there are aspects that they could actually be better than 2K with 
right out of the gate. But that would all depend on the minds behind the development, the minds behind the programming, the, you know, do they have the right basketball minds in place to get the gameplay right? Do they have the right art minds in place to get the presentation right, the graphics right, all of that stuff. So there's just a lot of different variables. But my hope is that if they do release a game, they make it multiplayer friendly and that the game is fun. No, that's, that is what is important. It needs to be fun on the sticks. It does need that depth. It needs a bit more depth than what was being shown as of Live 19. Because Live 19, I had my quibbles with the gameplay, but I would have been able to get way more into that if Franchise was just a little bit better. If Franchise was more like even Live 10. So again, it doesn't even need to be as deep as Association was, or my NBA, or my league. It'd be nice if it was, but it doesn't need to be there straight away. So I'd absolutely agree that even if NBA Live... When it comes back, if it comes back, whatever, it's going to be number two to 2K's number one. But that, that doesn't matter out of the gate. Even as the number two game, if people say, hey, look, 2K is still the top brand. It is still number one. But NBA Live is doing some great things. And I think I'd rather play that instead. That is a step in the right direction. That is a step towards being number one. And even if, it, even if it's never number one again, it's still that viable alternative that we need. And that's what's important. It took a long time for NBA 2K to take over NBA Live. It did. Years. I think that in this age of height of access, height of social media, height of sharing, all of that stuff, a company could be taken over a lot faster. So if Live were to come back and they were able to have a strong showing, even if they didn't take over 2K in the first year, if they were able to have a strong showing in that first year and people were really enjoying the game and there was a lot of hype around it um, and, and, and they promoted the game right, then, you know, it's not going to take, it wouldn't take as long for NBA Live to take over 2K than it did for 2K to take over Live back in the day. And I think that's just because of the day and age that we live in and whatnot. Um, but even, so, if it, even if it doesn't. Even if even if live remains the number two, but a closer number two to two K's number one. At least there is a number two. Ex- right, exactly. exactly. At least there yeah. is a two. And who can apart from apart from the suits, apart from EA and two K themselves caring about who's number one and who's number two? If we as gamers have that, if we do have the two options at least, and that both options are viable, and there's a lot of people who prefer to play live, and it's making them happy. It doesn't matter, apart from tribalism and bragging rights, it doesn't matter which one is number one and number two, as long as both are great games that we enjoy playing. Right, exactly. Not even great games, because they weren't always great games. I mean, we want live to come back great, but good games give us options. <laughs> good, right? yeah. Let's, let's, let's focus on good first, yeah. <laughs> right. I don't think NBA Starting 5 is a great game, but do I like it as an option to go back? Sure. Yeah, you know what? I enjoyed it. A lot of people enjoyed going back and choosing these different options and whatnot and, you know, having more basketball games in the space and, you know, to enjoy those games with other people. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't always need to be a great game. It can be a good game. I mean, we're always going to wish them to be great. Like, I'm always hoping to be blown away when I boot up a game for the first time. But that's just not something that happens all the time. The problem with live has been that it's, over the past generation, disappointing or, or mediocre. Beating that first, getting to good is already a huge step forward and towards having those two viable options. And there's a lot of things that they can do. We're going to be talking about that in conjunction to what people have been suggesting. With that in mind, here is this week's NLC podcast, Listener Mailbag. To the mailman, the pump face. What an unbelievable dunk. Let's start out with one from Jay, at JordanKobeWade7 on Twitter. Shout out to you. Actually echoing what we were just talking about, Derek. He says... 
I'd say get a baseline game out that focuses specifically on the core principles of the game, making sure they are fluid, responsive, and make sense. From a solid foundation is where they can build a true rival for 2K. Anything other than this is just a waste. Again, echoing what we just said, and I totally agree. Yeah, so the solid foundation is absolutely key, as long as, you know, over the years it doesn't end up getting stale, which I think in a way with 2K it has. I think that their that foundation that they had, um, they ended up kind of switching it up, like doing like a remix of the foundation, and then, um, you know, starting with 2K18, and then it's just kind of gotten stale since 2k18 um i think that a strong foundation is important and with that strong foundation needs to come fun like you need to have like you said the core principles of basketball you need to have the smooth animations on the smooth transitions but you need to find a way to do that while making the game loose fun and for the the user to have control over that experience and i think that's what they struggled with big time with nba live 19 and i think you can agree is they really smoothed out the animations like you're dribbling up the ball with you know i don't know ricky rubio or something and the way he's moving up and down the floor you're like man this looks so realistic but by the time you you know you make a pass and there's a delay and then you try to drive to the hoop and you're sucked into a defender and then you're you're sucked into a canned animation you're like okay, wait a minute, sure, these animations are smooth, but I don't really have control over what's happening out here, right? And I think that they weren't able to achieve the right balance with NBA Live 18 and NBA Live 19, you know, with having smooth transitions and smooth animations while also making the game fun and having the user have that that control. I think canned animations were one of the biggest problems with NBA Live 19, not only that, the pace didn't feel like real basketball. 100%. And you've touched on all the, the gameplay, core principles of gameplay there. I will also add, of course, the staples of roster editing, staples of, of the basic modes, your playoffs, season, uh, a franchise mode of some kind, Dynasty, having all the basic staples within those modes, of course. The other problem with Live 19, this ties into core principles from a philosophical standpoint, is that that game's identity didn't know what it wanted to be. It didn't know whether it wanted to be a sim game. It didn't know whether it wanted to kind of be a, a reboot of NBA Street with some more sim elements. It just didn't know what it wanted to be. There was no firm identity of Live 19. And I think that really hurt the game. And of course, you also had situations where street moves were being performed in NBA gameplay. And that took away from that side of things. And that's something that 2K has done quite well, is keeping a lot of those street moves from Blacktop and Playground you can only trigger those animations, assign those animations, and use them in those modes, in Blacktop, in Park. And that's something that they have done very well. I mean, they're, they're, some of that Park gameplay has leaked into other modes, especially in the online scene, yes. But those the absolutely ridiculous moves are mostly contained to Blacktop and Playground. And that's something that Live19 didn't do very well. So even with the core principles of gameplay, I absolutely agree. But also the identity, the overall approach to, to gameplay and what you want your game to be as far as sim and arcade and where that balance is and how it all works, that's very important. And I think that Live does need to be a sim game at its core, but you can also branch out when you when you have the those Blacktop-like modes the streets side of the one you can branch out into that but there needs to be some separation that's something that they really uh, whiffed on with live 19 uh, that so those core principles also need, be, need to be philosophical as well as technical in my view 
Right. Well, the NBA Live 19 didn't really feel like they put in the proper attention into NBA basketball, into that portion of the game. I can definitely tell you that Um, the differentiation between players is just not enough. I've said this before and I've used this example. Like, you know, the players don't have size ups. They all dribble the same, basically. And it's really hard to tell the difference when you're playing between a guy like Siakam and Durant. And there should be differentiation between those two players, right? You know, point guards pretty much blended together, shooting, shooting guards, um, you know, they, they all pretty much blend in together and your post players overall feel like they kind of blend in together. So um, I think that they need to not only focus on the core principles of basketball in general and get more, um, give more control to the user, but they also need to work on that differentiation aspect. Right. And um, and work on also, you know, that NBA aspect, because I'm going to say it again. It's NBA live. Just like I say with NBA 2K, it's NBA 2K. You take NBA off the beginning of those games and you take out all of the NBA players and the promotion that that brings for the game and everything. And these games do not sell even close to what they do. Right. No, you no, know no. this because the NBA is the, the draw. Yeah. NBA is the draw. Kids want to the kids out in their yard when they're shooting baskets and whatnot, and they're pretending that the buzzer is counting down and and everything. Oftentimes, they're they're mimicking NBA players. They're pretending they're NBA players. Um, who are they talking about at school? NBA players, NBA action. Who's the goat? All of that stuff. They know that NBA is the draw. So you put that work into that differentiation and put that work into the NBA side of the game, whether it be the ultimate team aspect, whether it be the exhibition aspect, whether it be the season aspect, whether, like you said, there'd be the roster editing aspect, all of that stuff. You put in the work in the NBA side of things because that is still the draw. And you can't be a hybrid, an awkward hybrid of two different styles of games. NBA Live 19 was too live to be a good street game. It was too NBA Street to be a good NBA Live game. They need to... If I'm all for bringing back Jam and Street, but they need to be their own things. Maybe you want to package them together with Live if you want to bring up the Live brand again. Much as they kind of tried to uh, package Jam 10 with, uh, with NBA Elite 11, or that was the original plan for, the, uh, for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 anyway. Maybe you do that, but you still have them as their own separate games with their mechanics and approach that suits both styles of gameplay. No more, no more half-assed hybrids, frankly. Right. You know, if you want to have a thing like court battles or something like that, or you want to have blacktop and all that stuff, that stuff can still be in the game. Sure. But don't let that take over your identity and ruin a five on the five-on-five portions of your game. You got to decide if you want to have strong five on five gameplay and you can either you know mix mix up the the mechanics where it doesn't ruin that five on five experience and you can still have more street moves in blacktop and uh you know and whatnot or core battles sure you know what that's fine do that but if you can't just make the the um choose which one's going to be your priority and make sure that the animations work for both modes agreed so Teddy Bear the Gamer at 317TeddyBear on Twitter, shout out to you as always, uh, has nine suggestions for us here, a sh- short list of nine points, uh, some pretty good ones I would have to say, uh, total control in franchise mode, better create and edit player options, no canned animations, an actual release on consoles, Legends Freegent Pool for offline season or franchise modes, full All-Star Weekend, freestyle players, roster sharing, also give us the option to play against our friends in seasonal franchise mode. It's only been one player since NBA Live 14. 
love those suggestions. I know there's some there that you will, in fact, probably all of them, perhaps, Derek, that you will agree with wholeheartedly. Oh, my God. Well, the, well, the first one, franchise mode, full control. Obviously, there needs to be more depth to that mode. But look how far ahead NBA 2K is from NBA Live 19, um, even when it was 2K19 versus Live 19. You know, there was no creating courts in NBA Live 19. There was no custom jerseys, custom, custom teams, relocating teams, all of that stuff. For franchise mode overall in NBA Live 19 was bare bones and probably 5 to 10% of what NBA 2K puts out. And that's kind of embarrassing considering all of that time that NBA Live did have off from 15, um, you know, all the way, excuse me, all the way up to 14 and then more time off up to NBA Live 18, et cetera. Um, There should have been more to it. So I definitely agree with that. Another thing that he mentions is, um, you know, being able to play multiplayer. Uh, it's, It's pretty crazy that in NBA Live 19, you can't use more than one team and in in your season mode. And that's really frustrating. And it turns my brothers and I off from the game because that's how we like to play. And, you know, you can't do fantasy drafts with multiple teams, um, all of that stuff. There's just not enough control. Um, That should be a basic thing in any sports game right now, right? Multi-team use in franchise mode. It's absolutely wild that they released NBA Live 19 in 2018 without being able to use multiple teams in their dynasty mode. So they definitely need to, you know, hit on the multiplayer aspect. Yeah, I what do you think of his list? I think that he gets it. I think no canned animations is obviously a big one. I think that there's always going to be some canned animations, but they really need to knock down the amount that was in NBA Live 19 and in some of their recent titles in general. It's funny because some recent games and 2K is guilty of this as well those canned moments where it, these, these modern games actually feel less authentic than games that came out six, seven, eight years ago. Having played 2K14 and 2K17 recently, it's really struck me that feel on the sticks and those less canned moments. As you say, they're always going to be there to a certain extent because if you don't have any kind of canned moments, you know what you get? You get kid sports basketball where, the, where you can't even make a simple pass because there has to be some kind of pass and catch animation and something on a string in, in to a certain extent what you need to do what games need to do is have they need they need to have those smoke and mirrors they need to have smoke and mirrors that hide those inner mechanics because a lot of those old games the canned animations are there but they're less noticeable they feel more authentic they feel more organic even if they're not and it feels like recent games don't have those same tricks which is why the online scene isn't catching on the same way the online scene of say a rocket league is because you don't have those same that same organic feeling and look to the game so i'm all, I'm all for addressing that canned animations a lot of the stuff that teddy bear focused on there with his points again goes back to having the features and depth that we had 10 15 years ago that we just simply don't anymore you need to hit those baseline features again not to overuse a phrase you need to have that baseline those baseline features that baseline quality and include options that we had 10 15 years ago because without them it's you look back at those games and say well this stuff was possible with much inferior technology so it's not a case of not having the tech it may be a case of having the manpower to do it and and having gotten rid of that code and having to rewrite new code and everything but you need to hit on those points and things like a legends free agent pool the full all-star weekend roster sharing basic stuff roster editing that works there's a lot of people that have made custom rosters for live 19 derek that they've just had to scrap because of the bug where they just it just resets the 
their attributes and their facial features, the, the faces that they've been created, and makes everybody a year younger for some reason. There's just so many bugs with that, and that's a very basic feature, so that's disappointing. So yeah, they need to hit on all those basic points. Uh, I totally agree. So it, it's just absolutely wild that, you know, in the early mid 2000s we had all uh, we had a legends pool we had all decade teams we had like you stated um we had all-star weekend uh we had multi-team use you could use all the teams in seasons and whatnot and all of that you couldn't even get in nba live 19 so how do we go backwards 10 plus years later how do we not have a playoffs mode like how do we not have a a start of playoffs mode at any time that was a big thing when it came back in live 10 should never have left in the first place by the way but how do we not have a just a playoffs mode jump into play the playoffs the most important part of the year the fun you know to, to set up a tournament at any time how do we not have that mode in 2018 well another one too size ups you know we had it in nba live 10 and then all of a sudden it's not there oh for sure yeah and it 19 like all they're like oh yeah we'll we'll bring size ups into nba live 10 and you and i used it quite a bit when we played against each other it's a lot of fun and then all of a sudden it's ripped out of the game um we don't get size ups anymore so yeah there's a lot of puzzling things a lot of frustrating things um i'll just name a quick before we move on to the next response you know a few games that did really well as far as keeping down on the canned animations and making you feel like you had more control over the action um nba 2k 17 uh nba 2k 16 nba 2k 15 NBA 2K14, NBA 2K13, all of those titles. Um, um, NBA Live 10. NBA Live 10 doesn't feel very canned at all. Um, there seems to be a lot of control over the action, not a lot of canned animations going to the hoop and everything. Um, you know what's funny? The game we just played and revisited, thanks to Nate and Roger, NBA Live 2001. You know what? Sure, it's a simple game, but how many canned animations happen during our action? Very few. If any, um, we feel like we have control over the action when we when we go and, and do a dunk. Um, we feel like we can contest it at the hoop and it's not we're not being dragged into players all over the floor and everything. So there is a way to make great gameplay without overloading it with canned animations. And I think that NBA Live 19 really missed on that. Agree. On top of all the other issues, it, it just didn't have that right feel it felt heavy it, it didn't have that right feel on the sticks uh, for sure and that is you know that's important because you can you can overlook some depth sometimes you can say okay well i'm not going to edit the rosters but if the game is not fun to play it is a mo- everything else is a moot point so next we have mf don at don mega underscore c shout out to you he says scrap live and focus on an nba street or nba jam I think the proof is in the pudding. Live is not good enough, and they haven't got the fan base to compete with 2K right now. There's other avenues for EA. I'd settle for a run and gun. Now, this is an interesting point, obviously. You know, when we talked about the NBA uh, 2K23 wish list, some people's wishes were for, uh, for NBA Live to come back. And But this, this does speak to the fact that uh, what we were talking about, that some people are completely burned out on NBA Live. They don't have any faith in the brand whatsoever understandably so and they would prefer ea to focus simply on the other licenses they have nba jam and nba street i see where he's coming from but we, we got to pump the brakes here uh the the comment about them not having the fan base you got to understand something you, you're talking about every company that would try to come into the space and make a basketball game but that doesn't really make any sense if anything ea sports has the strongest chance of coming back with some semblance of a fan base right into the basketball gaming space so we can't say that because if we're if you're going by that we'll never ever have another player come into the space for a five-on-five sim basketball game 
I just want to make that clear. Um, as far as saying scrap it, listen, I understand that NBA Jam on Fire Edition, um, NBA Jam 2010, amazing games. Wouldn't mind them pumping out another NBA Jam. You and I would be all over that. We'd be playing that constantly. We'd be having a blast. NBA Street coming back would obviously be great. But you got to understand, too, that those are also different teams working on those games as uh, you know, the the five on five game titles. So I don't even think we're talking about the same teams work like the same personnel, really working on those different types of titles. So there was a team in place that was making NBA Live 19 and making the sim games and whatnot. And they did do some good things with that series. And I'm sure some of that team is still in place and they can bring on some some new people. Consumers deserve another option in this space, in this five-on-five space. 2K shouldn't be able to hold it captive and be able to have all of that market share and say, hey, listen, if you have, if you want to play a game, you have to play ours. So there shouldn't be scrapping. In my opinion, there shouldn't be scrapping or talk of scrapping of the series just because they're not as popular. So I think the focus needs to be on just making a complete game that is fun and that can make at least a dent coming out of the gate into NBA 2K's market share. I mean, obviously, EA as a company wants to compete to some extent, and it needs to be successful to continue having money pumped into it and for the the company to get behind an NBA Live being developed. Absolutely. But from a perspective of a gamer, once again, as I said, if Live is going to come back and be that number two to 2K's number one, which it's obviously going to be, that's fine. You know, to what extent do we need to to compete? We need it to be an alternative. And if it's a really good number two alternative, if it's still if the, if it's the number two game, but it's still really good, then that's that's what's important. And, and it, having that that alternative is what we want, and, and what is important at the end of the day. So I I also get where he's coming from with that, but. Yeah, I don't think there's any harm in them trying. Because as you said, it would be different teams working on Street and Jam and, and, uh, and Live. And, and you could still do that. You could have the resources. You could have one studio working on one, one studio working on the other. So I'm all for Street and Jam coming back. But the bottom line is we need that second sim game in the space. 100%. Um, and I think that it would be super exciting to see another company other than EA Sports jump into the space. And you've got to think about it. That next company that comes in um, more than likely isn't going to have the groundwork EA Sports already has um, or the name recognition that EA Sports has with the NBA Live series and everything. So the big thing is, is that we deserve another option in the space. Consumers deserve that. Um, and that's what we have to hope for. With that being said, we do understand the trepidation of putting any kind of faith in NBA Live after the past generation or indeed the past 15 years. No, I I totally get See, the thing is, is I totally get where he's coming from. And I've heard people say, scrap the series. And they're not even doing it to be malicious, right? They're not just saying, oh, EA Sports sucks, NBA Live sucks. Like, they're not saying that. They just have lost hope. Yeah, understandably, absolutely. And and to that point, uh, Thundershack at Thunder underscore Shack on Twitter, of course, in the forum as well. Shout out to you says to even consider buying uh, PC release, offline retro content, at least one of all-time teams, classic teams, or legend free agent pool, improved creative player editing, less stiff slash canned animations. Also says would be nice, create a team or a team editor. I put time into 19, but it was too shallow to pull me from 2K. So yeah, again, you have to meet those expectations, those baseline expectations, those staples. You have to have them in the game I mean, you, you can't expect them to have all the classic teams of 2K and all that content and all the depth of their modes 
but you need to make some inroads on there. You, you need to at least match what was being done a couple of generations ago, which Live has not been doing very well. So, yeah, to, to even consider buying, you need to have the basics for people to even want to give the game a chance. Again, understandably so. And, and I, fe- I mean, I'm going to get the game anyway because I'm a collector and I'm covering it for a for basketball gaming site. But for the the general population of basketball gamers who are going to pick and choose games that they buy, you need to appeal to them and have those staples. Yeah, there's a couple things with this. So Thundershack um, is actually a big part of the gamer base. Um, he's an editor. He's a roster editor, right? He likes um, editing rosters and customizing things. And what does that do in turn? It makes him spend more time on the game, which is what companies want. So this should be a no-brainer to give more roster editing, to give uh, create a player feature that's not just generic players, right, that you just put hair on, like generic faces. Like they should have a full-blown create a player feature, at this point, especially in 2023, if they come, you know, for a live 2023, if they come back and whatnot, something that you can customize, something that doesn't limit you to only like a hundred creative player slots, slots or whatever. There has to be roster sharing. This is ridiculous. Like, how do you not have roster sharing at this point in your games? Um, so it would have to come back with full blown roster sharing. So, um, again, you know, Thundershack uh, being a roster editor, um, you know, look at the number of people that download these rosters on 2K Share. Hundreds of thousands, overall millions of people download these rosters. And a lot of these people that are downloading these rosters are also people that like to customize and edit them and all of that. So they're losing a huge part of uh, the consumer base by not having those basic roster editing sharing features. Another point, being on PC, I am hopeful that if NBA Live 2023, if they do come back for that, that it's on PC. They've moved Madden to PC, I believe, since Madden 18. So we have all of those Maddens up to today's date on PC. They moved FIFA to PC, etc. It looks like that's what a lot of companies are trying to do right now. So I do have hope that if they do come back, that they will also be on PC. Oh, we definitely love to see that in uh, in our community. And as as far as roster sharing, so important because even if everything's working fine with the rosters, and yes, we all want to have them for our own use, and we can make our own rosters for our own uh, personal projects and our, our own use and whatever. But we do it. We 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 make those custom rosters to just as they do on console as well, console or PC alike, to share with other people. And do you remember the EA Locker in Live 08 to 10? Yes. To share files with other people, you needed to add them to your friends list, which, in theory, that's bringing the community together, but in practice, it's opening yourself up to people you may not want to necessarily uh, connect with. That, uh, as far as privacy goes, you may not want to actually have to add people to your friends list, or, or, you know, you have to also, if you want to get that file, you have to send them the friend request first, they have to approve it, you may not want to approve it from somebody you don't know, even if you are willing to share the rosters. And certainly when you look at the, the the roster sharing in 2K, you can see the username, but you don't have to be connected with them. So that was the drawback of the EA Locker. So they can't do it that way. It needs to be like 2K share. It needs to be free and open, right? Yes. Like it just needs to be free and open. It needs to be easy to use. Um, there can't be all of these, you know, things locked behind anything. Like it just needs to be free flowing. And um, 2K does a great job with this, actually, when it works. Remember, it was pretty poor on next gen for like the first couple of weeks. Like you couldn't even get to the roster share. But 
you know, when it works right, NBA 2K really does a great job of giving you you know, all of those roster editing options, the facilities, um, the my NBA customization via sharing, all of that stuff. So, you know, 2K really hits that out of the park. And that last line, I put time into 19, but it was too shallow to pull me from 2K. It, again, it, it's not to harp on a point, but you need some kind of depth because I played live 19. You know, I could have got more used to the gameplay and really come to like it. Of course, the last patch, as we've said before, kind of ruined the shooting, but I didn't want to play franchise because there was it, that was disappointing. I didn't want to play ultimate team because compared to 2K, it was really repetitive and the rewards weren't as good. And there were problems with the cards where players couldn't dunk for some reason. So there was all kinds of problems there. I, would already, I was already playing my career. I was getting burned out on the career experience. I didn't want to get into the one. I didn't really like the streets or the pro-am circuit. I, that wasn't appealing to me. So if you don't appeal to gamers across the board and have, again, those basic features, those staples... Even if they do like the gameplay, it's not going to keep people hooked. Oh, 100%, exactly. Um, and that's what I say. You know, if you gave Thundershack full roster editing and roster sharing, and he was allowed to make, like, a makeshift classic teams or all-time teams roster, and you gave him, you know, maybe a 500 creative player limit, but you actually allowed him to, like, customize faces that were missing in the game, he may have tackled that. And he would have spent hundreds of hours more on the game than he did with it in general next up we have knowledge bone at the harassment on twitter shout out to you says simply a realistic game with a slight arcade feel i think a lot of people uh, we see sentiments like that expressed very uh, very often and I, I think that's something that people do want to have is that that realistic style of game but with kind of some exaggerated moments he wants the game to be fun What's wrong with that? Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, he wants the game to be fun. Um, that's what we all really want. We want control over the action and to have fun with it. And at the same time, we want those sim aspects. We don't want to be dragged into players all over the floor. We don't want to have the frustration, you know, the blind steals um, and whatnot. And the rough feeling face up game or a rough feeling post game. Um, we don't want you know, the ball going through players' hands, all of that stuff. He wants a realistic yet fun game of basketball. And there have been titles that have done that right in the past. I actually think NBA 2K17 is both realistic and fun, right? Um, I think some of the games that you and I have been revisiting, uh, like NBA Live 10, I think that the game definitely has realistic elements, but it's also just incredibly fun. You know, people want to be able to get out, you know, get a rebound, outlet the ball, run the floor, see a player on the other side of the floor, you know, running down the lane, running his lane, and you, you know, find him with a crisp pass, and he goes in and throws it down. Like, they want a realistic and fun experience. They want NBA action. And I feel like people didn't get that with NBA Live 19 or NBA Live 18, to be honest with you. No, that makes a lot of sense, because my immediate knee-jerk reaction is to balk at the, the word arcade, as you know, because I have very specific uh, definitions of, of sim and arcade gameplay as it pertains to basketball games. So my first thought is, not quite that. But we, we're in that context, that that ultimately realistic, but we do take some liberties here and there, uh, I, which I think a lot of the best basketball games have done, because if nothing else, the most realistic basketball games we've gotten to date... They still have too many dunks, if you look at how many dunks are actually performed in an actual NBA game and through an NBA season. There are way more dunks on the virtual hardwood. But that's okay, as long as the, you have that balance and you have that underlying realism and that fun, absolutely. So in that, in that context, you know, I'm going to be... I have to put aside my 
you know, as much as I hate gatekeeping, I kind of gatekeep those terms, I suppose, in some respects. But understanding that context where he's coming from, which I believe uh, is, is absolutely where he's coming from, no, I, I'm totally with him there. You know, it, again, coming down to that fun game that has that realistic core, but doesn't doesn't enforce realism to a point of this is no longer fun. This might as well be a sim text game. You know, this might as well you know, be a you know, management game. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I look at? What I think of when he says something like that? I think of '80s basketball. I think of real, you know, I think of you go back and watch. I watch 80s games all the time on YouTube. You know what they're doing? They're getting the ball off the boards and they're running and it's fun. Sure. Not every team was showtime, but most teams were pushing the ball. Right. And they you know, the game was loose. Um, Teams were moving the ball constantly in the 80s. There was a lot of wild, great finishes at the rim and everything. What I look at when he says something like arcade is I think. Um, the Showtime Lakers, the Denver Nuggets in the 80s, um, maybe the Bucks in the 80s, the, the 76ers. And the way those teams played, you want to be able to play like that kind of in the video games. You want, like, I, like my example, you want to be able to get that board and you want to be able to outlet it and you want crisp passing and you want to be able to, um, you know, attack the rim with a vengeance and, and everything. And so I look at it, I don't look at the word arcade necessarily as negative. I just think that arcade is used as a substitute often for the word fun. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and again, to that point, I totally agree. Next up is Mr. Brooks at jr1brooks1 on twitter shout out to you simply says cross-gen and this is big obviously for online gaming and also roster sharing as well you mentioned mj wizards and the great work he's been doing on playstation 5 i I saw on twitter somebody asked do you know anybody doing this for series x as well for xbox and and mj wizards said sorry i don't know anybody who's doing that now imagine if you didn't have to worry about somebody doing that on Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. If you could simply share that roster from that same version of the game with all those edits, the created players and whatnot, and just share that across platform. Cross-gen, cross-platform, absolutely important. Oh my god, yeah. So like, how is that not like normal and standard in 2022? I, I do uh, think it, I do think it comes down to the consoles themselves uh, and, and the Well, I was about to say, well, that's the thing. I said, you know, what, what the real thing that gets in the way it has nothing to do with the technology because we can do it and some games have done it it has to do with politics it has to do with business right yeah exclusive releases it has to do with stuff like that so um i think that it's a damn shame uh i think that cross gen is on everybody's wish for any sports game and pretty much any game that's made um because of all the benefits of it but unfortunately i think um we're going to come up short in that regard i don't think that will be something that they do I'm kind of surprised that on PC you actually do have crossplay between Steam and uh, Epic Store. Although, as as I understand it, it doesn't work as well as it's uh, meant to. Yeah, I mean that's a good thing, right? I mean, well, the point is I want to bring this up really quick. I I, I brought up this game before, AO International Tennis, a game that was made by Big Ant Studios. One of the biggest things that got so many people on the game was the fact that the created players and created courts that you made in that game um, that could be sh- all of that data could be shared cross-platform like i created a face for pete sampras on um and i know mj wizards appreciates me talking about this because he also plays those games but i created a um a face for pete sampras on pc and my brother was able to download it on playstation 4 so like there are games that have done this and allowed sharing across um you know different consoles and pc and everything like i said there's just too many politics that got in the way and business decisions 
You're absolutely right. It does come down to to politics, to exclusivity, to to having that that market share to forcing people to their consoles so you you do want to see that cooperation and if we can ever get it we might get that cross gen because once again as you said the the technology is there 100 percent. nothing to do with technology that that's not the the limitation here and, and not and not even ea or 2k either no 2k is um in the same boat here they should they should have that by now but um they, you know it's between it's the conversations and business decisions between PlayStation and and Xbox and you know and Microsoft and etc. And finally, we have King Keen at King Keen Two on Twitter. Shout out to you, number one gameplay. QA that until it's balanced as much as possible. Don't need a bunch of patches throughout the year. Number two, make player size and weight difference matter. Three, keep the real courts. And four, weekly events to keep the game fresh. Once again, solid suggestions all around. I do think you need that live service content, as as controversial as that is, and as much as that can be tied to recurrent revenue mechanics, you do need that fresh content coming through for your career modes and, and card collecting modes. It's important to have some kind of live content for the, the online component of the game. Uh, certainly you want to have those real courts. The, the Having the player size and, and weight really matter, absolutely important. We've seen that in previous games where, this is going back with a historical example, obviously, but Avery Johnson being able to... Uh, overpower shack for example and certainly you do need to have that gameplay balance balance is so important we saw that with that last patch with live 19 that tweaked the shooting that was great for online play but terrible for offline play and to the point of patches yeah don't be changing the the, the gameplay and the and, and altering things too much so that each patch ruins the game or fixes it in one way and ruins it in another absolutely the patches have been so frustrating. We've talked about it on so many prior episodes um, because they'll tweak something too far one way and then they'll try to tweak it back um, because of a certain, you know, fan base complaining, etc. And there's just too many changes to the gameplay throughout the year. Sometimes the changes end up being game breaking and they're changed for all the wrong reasons. So I definitely agree. But hey, you know what? You need play testers. There's two right here. So reach out to us because we would love to do it. And, you know, as far as what he said about player size and weight, um, this was actually a problem with NBA Live 19. And it's along the lines of, you know, you would get a big guy switched out onto you. So let's give it an example. Let's say I'm using, I don't know, Donovan Mitchell. And let's say Daniel Tice gets switched out onto me on the perimeter. I should have a speed advantage, right, on Daniel Tice. I should be able to isolate on that side of the floor and take Daniel Tice off the dribble and have a really good chance of getting by him. But with Daniel Tice on me, it felt like he was just another player on the floor, like another guard, and he would stick with every one of my moves. So it's that lack of differentiation and that lack of balance, which also hurt NBA Live 19. So when they do come back, I definitely agree. Size and weight and speed, etc., definitely need to matter, and there needs to be more differentiation in that regard. And on the subject of feedback and QA as you said we'd be very keen to to do that and I know there's others in the community that have great insight into basketball gaming that would do the same it's imperative that moving forward if live is to come back they need to listen to a variety of voices they need to listen to the right voices you can't do what 2k has done which is to shift away from people that have got that great feedback and and really care about the game but they're not necessarily into the online scene and of course you want to listen to the people who are on the into the online scene as well to get their feedback and and get their insight into what makes those modes as, as good as they possibly can be, because there's a lot of improvement that needs to happen there as well. I, I can certainly attest to that, having dipped my toe into that scene over the years. But 
you can't shuffle out the old guard that knew what made NBA Live so great back in the day and could make the game such high quality again and, and appeal to everybody again. You can't shuffle out the people who aren't, I'll say, oh, well, you're not a big influencer. We can't use you to promote the game. Certainly you do need to work with those people, and they have some good ideas for the game too. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, popular influencer, you have no idea about the game. That would be very judgmental and not necessarily accurate on my part to say. But you need to listen to all these voices. You need to look at all the communities, NLSC, Operation Sports, Reddit, certainly on Twitter as well. Look at that feedback, filter out the good feedback from the bad, and and, and look what people are saying who, who really care about the game. Don't just try to cozy up to the influencers. Certainly you were going to work with them, but don't just don't just work with them. Because back in the day, they were looking at everywhere in the community, all different sites that were covering basketball games and, and sports games, NLSC, of course, and Operation Sports. So you don't, don't just narrow your feedback group to these hand-picked people that you think you can work with which is what the last community manager did. Uh, I'm still a little bit bitter about that, as I'm sure people can tell how we got, how, how we... How did that, that work out for them? Yeah, I mean, Live 19, as you say, how, how did it work out for them? So don't, don't shoulder out people who care about the game, who give a damn about NBA Live, and, and care enough to give that quality feedback across the board just because you're trying to be the next Ronnie 2K. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, and a lot of people are the wrong people to listen to anyway, with the wrong motives and the wrong agendas. You need people that are going to help you make a great basketball game. Exactly. It doesn't matter if they have one follower or one million. Um, and that's the bottom line. And, and your quality is the, the quality of your product is going to speak for itself, right? The proof is in the pudding. Look what's happened to the series um, over the last decade between cancellations, poor releases, poor execution on ea sports part obviously what they did didn't work and they need to change course and you can see from just people giving feedback here and you can also see of course other people on twitter talking about how we need nba live coming back i'm seeing that sentiment a lot on twitter these days i wrote that article about who wants to see nba live come back hitting back against that suggestion that oh nobody does because there clearly are people who who do want that and uh, want some again they want some alternative to 2k and live is the most realistic again we understand cynicism or not having interest in live or feeling they should scrap it we certainly understand where that that's coming from but we see a lot of people sometimes people with very prominent voices saying no we don't want to see that nobody wants to see that that's incorrect speak for yourself because (laughs) we're not just speaking for ourselves here we've seen that sentiment being posted in our forum on twitter on reddit so there are people who want to see live come back. You can see it in these ideas that people people want. But to that point, if live is to come back, it needs to hit on these points because people are saying this is what we want out of an alternative to 2K. Live must deliver that if they are to be that alternative, quite simply. A lot of those people, those voices that are saying, no, don't come back live, uh, You know, we don't want to see NBA Live come back, are influencers for 2K are paid influencers for 2K oh, yeah. who get their club from 2K, etc. So I just want to throw that out there. But uh, what I want people to think uh, about, and a good way to close this is big picture, right? You know, I talk about it all the time. Think big picture what it means to have another basketball game in the space. Think a big picture of the value that holds, um, you know, for so many different people out there that deserve a second option. And think about how this, what, how this works in business, right? Like for me, my only internet provider is Comcast. I don't have another option. 
in my area. That market is cornered. So whether I like it or not, by the way, it's incredibly expensive. Comcast is very expensive. Um, whether I like it or not, that's what I have to deal with. I would love for another cable provider to be in my area that was cheaper and more fair to consumers. Then Comcast will not be sponsoring this podcast. No, definitely not. But that's, that is the benefit of competition. It is something that people overlook. And, and yes, we need that competition to be worthwhile and, and viable. But to that point, this is why people are throwing out the suggestions. Yep, 100%. So, no, I really appreciate everybody that responded. Um, and we'll probably be going over our individual wish lists on a future episode. But we wanted to get the pulse of the community first. And, and you guys didn't disappoint. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for responding to the mailbag prompt. It's great to see people care so much about basketball gaming, care so much about NBA Live. It shows that there is still interest there in that alternative, and people have these great ideas. As as you said, Derek, we will be revisiting our ideas and the community's ideas for a potential NBA Live return in a future episode. And I really hope that the ideas that have been put forward in response to the prompt, I hope we see them in a future NBA Live, because people clearly want them, and I think they'd really benefit a return of NBA Live. Right. And we got to talk about this stuff on the podcast, right? And we got to put this stuff on social media because if you don't say anything, there is no possibility of anything happening, right? So it's very important that you get those ideas out there. And we did want to read out all of your responses on the podcast because there are people that listen to this that could be, you know, influencers for EA Sports and whatnot. And, you know, you never know who's listening to you. You never know who's looking in on the forums. You never know who's following you on Twitter and whatnot. Um, shadow following, I would say, like, just checking in on your account and not actually following you. Um, so you never know who's looking at this stuff. So definitely keep the feedback coming and keep the ideas coming. And thank you once again to everybody who participated. Once again, we will be putting out the mailbag prompt each and every week. You can also write into the show podcast at mba-live.com or hit us up in the forum or any of our various socials. But with that being said, that has brought us to the end of episode number 412 of the NLC podcast. We thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. The show comes out every Sunday on the NLSC, which is mb-live.com, of course. We're also on all the major podcatching apps and platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, just to name a few. We also release the show on our YouTube channel every week. We've had some great responses there. As long as you're tuning in and enjoying the show, wherever that is, we greatly appreciate it. And we do love connecting with our listeners. So Derek, what are your socials? And do you have any other final words for our listeners this week? Well, thank you for listening to the podcast and, and sending in your responses to the mailbag and, you know, sending in submissions for the NLSC top 10 plays of the week and everything. Um, it's a pleasure to honestly, you know, be part of this community and work with every single one of you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at D for three eighty four and at D for three G. Um, I'm also over on the NLSC as a team member D for three and I'm on YouTube D for three. Definitely connect with Derek and stay tuned for all the original content coming from the NLSC as well as take part in the NLSC forum, the discussions going on there, and check out what our modding community has to offer. As I said at the top of the show, I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. We are NLSC Basketball on Instagram. Our YouTube is youtube.com slash Center, And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com. For everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that's all for this week, so thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>